Howdy folks, welcome to the Intelligent Rebellion Podcast. My name is Ria Mercado and I am your host. This is our awards episode and I am absolutely stoked. In this episode, I chat with Sarita Jones, founder of the Allied Health Awards, who is also a style guru as it turns out. We have two winners featuring in this episode. Firstly, we have Taylia Reedy, winner of the Outstanding Student of the Year Award who shares her story about working in the rural and remote setting. And secondly, we have Allied Health Award Dietitian of the Year 2023, Catherine Chong, who absolutely blows my mind about nutrition and fertility. In fact, if you were a subscriber to the Intelligent Rebellion newsletter, thank you, thank you so much. Make sure to check your inbox or your junk mailbox for a link to the bonus episode with Catherine Chong. If you're not a subscriber, why the heck not? Come on, visit theintelligentrebellion.com and subscribe to gain access to some of our premium content. For now, grab a cocktail or a mocktail, chill out. This is our awards episode. Hey, Serena, welcome to the Intelligent Rebellion podcast. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. We've just had a little mini chat before we actually officially <laughs> opened. But, <Of> <laughs> hey, go ahead. What is your Tinder profile? Introduce yourself to the world. Tinder profile? I am too old. I have never had one of those. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you more about me than, than what I'm about to say, I don't know what does. <laughs> I am an occupational therapist. I will be an OT first and foremost forever. Um, and I think most OTs will will say that, to be honest. I am also a mum. And as I was just saying to you, I've run a marathon this morning with my two kids getting them to school. Um, and I also am the director at Allied Health Support, which is an online community of PD and directory of supervisors and all kinds of supportive things for the legends of Allied Health. I am also the founder at the Allied Health Awards, which is obviously what we're here mm -hmm. to chit chat about. And I also now accidentally started a clinical team called Allied Health Therapies. We are doing an awards episode and you run the biggest Allied Health Awards in our industry. So yes, um, I'm chuffed. I'm chuffed <laughs> to be speaking with you and it's really awesome and, and we've followed along for a long time. What's the origin story of the awards? You do so many things, but let's really hone in on the awards. Like why? Because they didn't exist. That's why. Mm -hmm. And they need to. So the awards are my passion project. They always will be. I'm very passionate about allied health in general, but in particular about our why and the importance of having awards. So a lot of the national bodies in Australia will, will have a couple, they'll have a handful of awards, but they're really academic based and mm -hmm. there might only be three or they're researchers or they're academics or, or what have you. And the awards program that I have written is more about the networking, it's coming together, it's the 
recognition for allied health professionals, no matter where they work, whether it is in public or private or not-for-profit or non-clinical or research or what have you, wherever they work, they're eligible for at least one award. And it's more about coming together and inspiring each other and collaborating together and all of those fun things that we don't get to do often in allied health. And it's just taken off. <laughs> now has a life of its own. It, it certainly does have a life of its own. Tell us a little bit more about how the nomination process works and then how the actual award ceremonies go. I mean, because it is a big deal and it seems yeah. like it's a lot of work. <laughs> yep, it is. It is a lot of work and I do love it. But yes, it is a lot of work. And I, it always makes me giggle when I, I get emails saying, can you put me through to the HR department or can you put me through to the marketing department? <laughs> you know, who are all your, who are all the team members? And I'm like, well, it's still just me, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have some admin support here and there. Um, and that's about it. The nomination process is via this amazing platform called Awards Force. It's an online platform that was designed specifically for award programs. Um, you can nominate yourself, you can nominate a colleague or a peer, and even clients can nominate their clinician. Anybody can start a nomination process and I've done it that way because allied health professionals are really really terrible at blowing their own <laughs> horn they are really really terrible at doing anything other than servicing other people and, and helping other people you can jump on and just start a nomination initiate a nomination for someone else mm -hmm. and then that lovely human gets a lovely email saying guess what you are an <laughs> awesome allied health professional and you've been nominated and then that individual can choose whether to accept that nomination and complete the nomination the application process mm -hmm. or decline and the application process is robust on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's a therapeutic process because I can't help myself. It's a therapeutic process in itself. So if I was to write an application for you, it wouldn't be full of all of the amazing things that you've done because I'm not you. So it would be my perception. It wouldn't be your CV. It wouldn't be all of the things that, that you are passionate about. The mm -hmm. quality wouldn't be there. Yeah. So it's actually really important that the individual is aware of and consenting to the process. How, how do you choose finalists? And then how do you yeah. choose winners? Normally five top scorers are finalists. I have a really huge selection panel and they are from all walks of life clinical and non-clinical within the allied health community so it's a really cool group of people and a minimum of three people will uh, will review every application mm -hmm. and they are reviewed anonymously in isolation against selection criteria and that selection criteria is then weighted differently depending on what category it is. Yeah. And then the top scorer is the winner. Yeah. I've often wondered how people select winners and, and I love the anonymous yeah. process that you take. And there's conflict of interest declarations and, you know, there, there's a number of processes, you know, that, that happen behind the scenes. Are there any super memorable nominees or winners or even applications that you've read that just come to mind that either make you giggle or make you cringe like oh there's there's so so many what I love about this too like you I, I get to meet 
really cool humans that have an allied health background that are doing cool stuff. It's inspirational and it's fun. I I love the networking aspect and I really love connecting people together. What I really love is is seeing people that are pounced upon by podcasters and bloggers and, you know, and all these people, you know, they watch who my winners are and who my finalists are and who's doing what. And then, so I warn them now, you know, guess what? (laughs) Watch out some random podcast is going to come and ask you to come up for an interview. That's right. And that's what it's about. They're like, oh, really? Oh, cool. Okay. (laughs) It's the wonderful world of healthcare. That's what I love so much about your awards process. It's wide ranging. It's really eclectic. That's just what really attracted me to watching your awards. And now we just, everyone loves to see who the winners are and everyone then, it's just exciting. Yeah. And and who who doesn't love to get all dressed up right yes exactly tell me about the awards night itself what are the feelings that it brings to all the feels (laughs) all the feels and I think that's why once people are introduced to this program Mm -hmm. the beautiful thing is is they're they're in they're in the network they're in the community they are connected and they come year on year and it's really cool it's dressy it's boozy It's an awesome, awesome food. It's a really great location. Like there was fireworks last year. I I really, I put a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money into the styling, branding year on year. And this will sound silly to so many of the people listening, but year on year, I have a look for what the Pantone colour of the year is. And then I make sure that we are on trend. I make sure that, that from a styling perspective and a branding perspective, that every season is different and has its own feel. So in Darwin recently, it was this dusty blue into grey colour, which is the palette for for this year. And it was elegant and draping and soft and beautiful. If you had one idea that could change the healthcare industry, Serena? I I have more than one. Well, you can only have one. You only have one. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. One. Oh. One. Oh, look, personally, I think allied health are the future of healthcare. We are a large workforce. We are highly educated. We actually have a really beautiful amount of shared values and, and like-minded approaches that bind us. We have more that sticks us together than apart. And it's really just looking after each other. That's my wish. And and that is being generous with your time, being kind with how you approach everybody, making sure that you inspire, making sure that you look after yourself. You know, we can try to break down some of those funding barriers because Mm -hmm. I think some of the gold is the in-between stuff like (laughs) this, like the awards. It's It's those side project and side passions that allied health professionals do that's where a lot of the gold is that sticks us together those sorts of things need funding and need time and need kindness as a last thing just want to plug all your things that you do Well, I can't plug all of them. We don't have enough time. Well, let's plug the awards. But, let's do that. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. So the Australian Allied Health Awards are on the Gold Coast next year. Tickets are already selling. Get on that. There will be 300, 350 people there. This will be a big one on the 12th of October at the Star. And so nominations for 2024 will open any second. So get onto it. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Serena. Have a good one. You too. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side, my chat with Talia Reedy. So just want to introduce yourself to the world. My name's Talia. I'm from Tamworth in regional New South Wales, and I'm an occupational therapist. Welcome to the world of allied healthcare. What award did Shelley win? And has winning this award, Talia, changed your life in any way? Yeah, so I won the Student of the Year Award at the recent APRA Awards in Sydney. I think if anything, it's actually helped in building my confidence as a new grad OT, just to know that I have the recognition out there and also the support from my team and my manager who put in the nomination. And I was just so honoured and honestly shocked to have won. (laughs) Well, congratulations on winning the Student of the Year Award. I mean, you probably beat out about 10,000 other students. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) You're an OT. Share your allied health origin story. Well, I don't really have some crazy, amazing story, but I, from a young age, always loved helping other people. Like it was just in my nature, I guess. And I was always encouraged to utilize that in my career path, which I wanted to do. I almost went into speech pathology. Then when I got my university acceptance, speech pathology was nine hours away from my family and OT was three hours away. Um, in terms of the unis and I chose to be closer to family so I chose OT and basically when I started learning about it I realized that it was for me and it really just allowed me to focus on helping others in so many different areas. What is it in particular that you like about being an OT? One thing is like the diverse range of what we can do in my space at the moment in Oak Rehab. I like just to be able to help people be like safe in their homes and and really make sure that they're living the best life they can in relation to their injury or or help them in their recovery and become really independent. And you've ended up in Oak Rehab, which is my happy place, as everybody <laughs> knows as well. Yes, I love um, it. Was it something that you learned about at school or at university? Or... Um, no, we actually didn't do much teachings in Oak Rehab, um, particularly through university. I felt like it was clinically focused, but I did a placement here with IPA in 2021. And mm-hmm. from that, started working as an OT assistant. Then when I graduated, became a fully-fledged consultant occupational therapist within the companies. You mentioned that you were very quite surprised to be nominated and then to win an award. And, yeah. and you mentioned there were some people in your team. Do you want to do a couple of shout outs? Yeah, I am so thankful for Josh Dransfield. He was the occupational therapist here in the office at the time of my placement. He was my mentor, my team leader, my biggest support. He taught me everything I basically know in the OC rehab space. And I'm also grateful for Hannah Tomlinson, who is my manager, who just provides guidance emotionally and in relation to my career as well. And in the short career that you've had, I mean, it's 2021, you kind of started as a student, it's now 2023. Is there any interesting memories or clients or cases that come to your brain? (laughs) Oh, I've got so many. We work in such remote and rural areas. So I travel anywhere from an hour to six hours to visit people in this region injuries I've seen in terms of like farm related and things like that Mm -hmm. has just been crazy like we've had people run over by bulls or caught in fences things like that it's just it's just crazy (laughs) super rural remote type type stuff as a relative newbie is it everything that you kind of 
imagined or thought that it would be? Yes and no. Um, <laughs> I think there are aspects that I'm like, yeah, like this is what I expected. And then there is so much that I've learned that I'm like, haven't even realised was, again, a part of OT or even a part of off rehab and something that we can do and, and really assist in. And it's just crazy just to see how diverse everything is. I imagine you would have done some clinical placements yep. as well. Yeah. Um, and now you're in Oak Rehab. And is there anything in, in, in particular that you found that was different between sort of the clinical placements that you did and versus the Oak Rehab? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of similarities, but there's mm-hmm. also probably a lot of differences. I was lucky enough to do two pediatric placements and one hospital-based placement, but the hospital was in a regional town that didn't have the services that a Sydney hospital would have. I guess the amount of client turnovers you would have in a more of a clinical role at times is a difference, but I love Oc Rehab, I guess, for the stability. You really get to see an end goal as well. I'm not saying you don't get that in clinical, but it's just in a different way here, which I really love. The CTP space is a biggest interest of mine in this field. So working with people post car accidents and helping them back to full function and returning to work or managing in their homes after that. With the stuff that you've seen so far, yeah. do you have any ideas or wishes or anything that you think would be something that could really change your job or rehab or healthcare? Like, let's just imagine for a minute. I feel like a lot of people say and not really action is the lack of support that healthcare does have in rural and remote towns. I've seen firsthand how long people have had to wait for treatments with like like community OTs or exercise physiologists or even psychologists and, and even doctors. Like there are times where we have to wait weeks for an appointment or even months and that can be quite challenging. And I think it can really delay someone's recovery. So I think the biggest thing in healthcare is just providing more support to us out here in the regional or remote and even even further rural communities who just don't have the access to healthcare that you know so many people in the cities have and a lot of them don't really understand that because you know they could walk down the street and and get an appointment so quickly where we have to wait months at times. If you had your way if we were like hey here you go what do you want like, what would that be? Would it be be able to just fly people in and out of these rural remote fly people in and out? What would you do? Yeah, I think having more practitioners do like that fly in, fly out, come up here and do assessments or do a day of just helping people would be amazing or even just easily being able to take our clients to the city if needed, like, you know, getting more services available to make that happen and make those reviews happen to get that treatment that someone really needs. Yeah. I know telehealth has opened up a a wide of opportunities, but not everyone has access to internet or has service or even likes to talk to someone on a computer. I know I love face-to-face contact with my clients, Mm -hmm. being able to just get to know them a little bit more by actually seeing them and being there with them. But yeah, just, just have more opportunities for doctors or practitioners to come out to these rural areas and, and provide that support. Yeah. And I think that's where like most anyone who works in rural and remote is like, can someone just build a teleportation machine already? (laughs) Quite literally. (laughs) Um, Again, congratulations on being the student of the year. Are there any final words that you have um, before we close off? 
I guess to any other students out there, just keep going, push through. Uni is hard, but it is worth it in the long run. And and honestly, you will find an amazing job with an amazing team to support you. So Talia, thank you so much for coming on to the Intelligent Rebellion podcast and hanging out with us. Bye. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side is my chat with Catherine Chong. Do you want to just introduce yourself to the world? Tell us who you are, what your deal is. Of course. Hi, Ria and everyone. My name is Catherine Chong and I'm an accredited practicing dietitian and a certified fertility dietitian. Thank you so much, Ria, for inviting me. No problem. It's my absolute pressure. Thank you for coming on. Um, This is part of the awards episode that I'm doing and you are a very recent award recipient. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What award did you win? And actually you've won two awards in the last few years. So go out and tell the world how awesome you are. And has anything changed for you since winning these awards? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I am really deeply honoured um, to have been named as the Dietitian of the Year at the recent Allied Health Awards. Um, and just early this year as well, um, my practice also uh, one of the finalists as um, the Dietitian Australia Quality of Primary Care um, Award as well. So um, I really feel really honoured and grateful that um, to make that into the finalists and won the Dietitian of the Year Award. Ria, to me, this award is really not just a, a professional milestone to me, but it really acknowledged my passions and commitment to uh, fertility nutrition care in specifically uh, working with women's and couples supporting um, them to optimize their nutrition Mm -hmm. through evidence-based you know guidance to help them to increase the fertility success and also to build a healthy pregnancy and grow a healthy baby right how did you get into this type of very niche specific work Catherine Oh, that's a really good question, Ria. So I didn't dream of becoming a fertility dietitian, (laughs) never in my life. But um, I've been a dietitian, like I say, nearly 15 years now. Um, Really, my journey started uh, looking back is when I was 18. So Mm -hmm. like I say, I never dream of becoming a dietitian. Two people that really changed my life, which is my mom and dad. So I originally from Malaysia and, you know, when I was 18, I didn't know what's my future is going to be. My dad decided to actually send me to Australia to, to study oh. and remind you 20 years ago, I don't think there's mobile phone yet. There's <laughs> no internet. I never been to a Western country. My first language is actually Mandarin. So, you know, at that time, I can't even speak fluently in English. And that's it. One day, my dad just decided to send me to Australia to study. (laughs) I was like, okay, pack my bag, pack my luggage, jump on the flight. And here I am. So I was in Melbourne. So I did my bachelor degree at the La Trobe University. Mm-hmm. And then um, I moved on to um, Sydney Uni to do my nutrition master's degree. And that's how I became an accredited practicing dietitian. After my uni study, and then I was applying the job and I was fortunate enough to actually get accepted to work in Singapore. So again, I packed my bag again <laughs> and moved from Sydney to back to Singapore. 
So it was a it was a job um, as a clinical dietitian working in a big hospital, supporting medical team. Was really busy working the ward. It really set me a very good foundation and also an eye opener type of experience working in clinical care. Is at that moment at that young age, right? Could I actually work on more preventative health rather than clinical management? Because quite often we see very sick people in the hospital. In terms of fertility. I guess that it was really um, when I was in my early 30, I decided to try uh, to start a family. And I mm-hmm. thought that, okay, it should be a very straightforward journey. But unfortunately, didn't happen. Of course, I did um, went for health check or the scan. I consulted to the specialist. And I was really frustrated because all the advice I was given was just, all right, everything seems normal. Just keep trying. Mm-hmm. Or another 12 months, if it didn't happen, come back to see us again and would discuss a treatment. So I did what I was told, but six months into that, that period and I still haven't got pregnant. So that was at that time point I started to research about what women should do when they try to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, why no one told me this? So I started to really dive into understand my body again, diving into what periods really means. Mm -hmm. or how to track ovulation, how to change specifically my diet and lifestyle, what are the ideal supplements to take. And I have to say, I was very blessed that just after a few months of implementing what I learned, I got pregnant with a beautiful, beautiful boy, and he's now nearly five now. Somewhere along the journey, I also see many women struggle, like me. You say nutrition is not something that was told or shared by the doctors, right? Quite often mm-hmm. women needs to go and seek that information themselves. So that is actually inspired me. After I returned from my maternity leave, I, I did further training and course to become a certified fertility dietitian. And I just really love working with fertility clients now. When it came to my pregnancy journey and mm-hmm. my journey, the only thing that I was really told about nutrition, Catherine, was don't eat sushi. <laughs> don't eat salami don't eat oysters and I was really sad because I like all those things what is the message that you want to get out to the world about nutrition and diet when it comes to fertility what are some of those really classic myths that you want to bust right here and right now yeah look I I think that when when you heard about doctors suggest that to see a dietitian quite often people think that oh my god eat is she or he is going to put me on the diet, right? Yes. Taking out things that I love because <laughs> yes. food is life. Food is associated with so much, you know, giving us the comfort and it associates so much on our emotional level as well. When you're talking about fertility or pregnancy nutrition, other than taking out food, in fact, I'm doing it the other way around. I'm constantly helping clients to think about different strategies. How can I add more nutritious ingredient of food back into your diet? Ah. Basically, we want to make sure their body actually are meeting all the essential needs in order to prepare the, the nine-month-long pregnancy. And it's not just thinking about supporting a healthy pregnancy, but also in research. There's also a lot of data showing that certain way of eating or lifestyle can help to enhance 
fertility success. So the mm-hmm. chance of getting pregnant. And of course, we're also thinking about nutrition can also play a role in minimizing certain pregnancy complication. Yeah. One of it could be gestational diabetes. Now, what got me even excited about is we now also know that what a woman eat, even before they got pregnant, mm-hmm. has the influence of changing or building the future generation health. So what it means is what what you eat can potentially also influence your child health. This is actually something got me like really the aha moment, got me excited about and so determined about. I want to work in this space because every woman deserves to know this information in order to make an informed decision about their diet and their lifestyle. What's the data saying about like, how far out? Like if, is it a year out, two years out? Like yeah. when am I able to start making that change? Yeah, it's actually called the first thousand day of nutrition. So the research is showing that it's probably, uh, we're looking at 90 days before someone got pregnant. Okay. So about three months before the conception and then mm-hmm. throughout pregnancy and up until two years yep. after the child age. That is what we call the golden period where nutrition plays such a huge role. I, 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 I'm going silent <laughs> I'm just trying to process. <laughs> oh, oh, trust me. When I heard that, I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. What is the reception that you're receiving from the wider health community? In Australia, I, th- mm-hmm. I think the biggest challenge is that still not getting enough of attention in terms of fertility, nutrition, mm-hmm. um, or just across preconception care. You know, and when I say not getting enough attention, one is not enough awareness, but secondly, also, you know, at a government um, level as well, mm-hmm. they may not be enough of, uh, you know, subsidy or, or rebates. So I'm talking about seeing a dietitian. <sighs> Patient might already spend a lot of money going through IVF treatment and, and not getting enough or accessible type of rebates for dietitian. Yeah. That could be one of the limiting factors that you know people may not be always or readily thinking about putting nutrition yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Not that I'm gonna say I'm gonna solve all the problems, right? No, no but, but let's, I, let's try. Yeah, but I think <laughs> that even just that one session with the cuppers to really share with them that important piece of information, like mm-hmm. the power of Mediterranean diet, or even just having someone looking at what type of supplement they're getting or looking at their, you know, nutrition status. Are they deficient in certain vitamins, things like that? I think that that's going to be at least a very first step we can do for the patient mm-hmm. in preparing for, for IVF treatment and and in the meantime you have youtube channels and plug away <laughs> so my channel is uh the handle it's called at uh, fertility dietitian on youtube mm-hmm. and i also got an instagram account where you can connect with me at katherine.fertilitydietitian now we are also also got a seven day free meal plan that i would like to share it's actually on my website as well mm-hmm. i'm happy to share the link with you later yeah we'll, we'll chuck all those links in show notes and chuck it all out to our subscribers on um, the Substack. thank you so much for coming on um katherine chong fertility dietitian extraordinaire thank you my pleasure Rebellion Podcast is a three sticks production. It is produced, written, and hosted by me, 
Miriam Cardo. Will is the emperor of sound, mixing and editing and is the talent behind all our original music. 